Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And now your host, she understands the emotions of a recovering perfectionist, Dr. Grace Lee. Welcome to another episode of Career Revisionist Podcast. I have a special guest again today, and today's guest is Rocky Lee. Rocky is my neighbor. We are in the same city in Vancouver, Canada, and I met Rocky a number of weeks ago because we were on the radio together. It was CKNW, which was a Sunday night health show, and our friend, our mutual friend, runs the radio show every Sunday night, and we were there. We were invited to be a guest on her radio show for a different reason. I was talking about careers, and Rocky was talking about relationships because Rocky is a relationship coach. So he's based in the same city as I am in Vancouver, but he works with clients all around the world. And so I brought him on the show today to talk exactly about relationships. And whether we realize it or not, I mean, relationships and career really go hand in hand. You know, relationships are are in career. You know, you have a relationship with your boss, you have your relationship with your colleagues and all of your partnerships that you're forming if you're an entrepreneur or if you're in business. But the relationships that Rocky and I are talking about today are your relationship, the marriage relationship. Because you have a career, you are career driven, and sometimes it affects your relationships at home or in the household, right? And sometimes your marriage relationships are affected depending on what's going on at work and if you bring that home. And sometimes things are going really well at, in the office or in, in work, but they're not going quite so well at home. And so Rocky and I are having a conversation today and we're just breaking down what does that look like? Why do these things happen? And what can you do to improve the relationships at home, to improve marriages and to heal broken marriages? So that's the topic of our discussion today. So stay right to the end and you'll hear me ask Rocky some very difficult questions on the purpose of marriage and and what marriages might look like in the future if they will still be if, if how they will look like in the future since you know more and more th- these days couples are going into common law like, common law relationships and looking at marriages different than they used to so I ask Rocky the hard questions so make sure you stay right to the end and let's bring it up for Rocky Lee Rocky, it is so awesome to have you on the show today. And this is the first time I'm speaking to somebody who is also from Vancouver. And this is great to be on your show, Grace. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me here. I know. And I find it so ironic that we're meeting on video when we could just uh, meet in coffee or somewhere. Yeah, pretty much, right? (laughs) Do the whole show at some coffee shop. Yeah, and I do. I have done the show live before, but um, this seemed to be more convenient today. So here we are. (laughs) Perfect. So, Rocky, you and I met because we were on the radio together. That's right. Right, Our friend uh, Marlene, she has um, a radio talk show, the Sunday Night Health Show, and you and I were guests on her show. We met each other because we were sharing our own expertise, and I thought, you know, I want to invite you to be on my show because you do something very, very important, right? You have a skill that is very important. So why don't you share with my listeners and my viewers what you do and how you help couples in this world? Yeah, so I'm basically I'm a relationship coach, and my specialty is really helping singles get married or helping marriages heal. And essentially, what I do is I will help couples that really most of my clients their marriages are breaking down, and they're pretty much a heartbeat away from divorce. So I help them really begin to redesign what 
they really wanted in their marriage in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then we actually go through a whole planning process and some deep work on actually how to heal their marriage and how to move into executing to having the marriage that they want. When I'm working with singles, it's really the whole dream of falling in love. And it's a really daunting task in our time and age right now to be able to find the person that you want. And how do we do that when there's like so many different dating apps out there? And so my process is to actually give single people um, a really basic structure and strategy on who they should meet and why they should execute a dating process in a certain way. And it's been proven that people usually get married through this journey. So it's, it's a wonderful uh, blessing to be uh, uh, serving people this way. It is. It really is an important, important service. And you said something that caught my attention. You said it's a daunting task to meet somebody. It is. I want to, I want to unpack that a little bit. Would you say that it's more daunting now with the advent of more dating apps and, and the connected world that we are in, in, in with the internet and social media more or less, you know, more or less daunting, or is it just different? Yeah, that's a really great question. I, I would say that it's actually different. I don't think that dauntingness has anything to do with so much of the apps per se, mm -hmm. but that what's going on is that there's just more single people without a clear vision of what you wanted in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So what I find is that predominantly we have a higher percentage of young people and single people who aren't clear that their end goal is whether it's going to be marriage or not. And that's where the confusion comes in. So when you look back at relationships in the past 30, 40 years, the, the primary kind of hierarchy and priority in life was to get married and it was to get a great job. And so now we've kind of really put career as, you know, almost like a number one platform and relationships have taken a back seat. So by the time we get caught up to the place where we do want to get married or have a meaningful relationship, uh, we're still not clear. Yeah. What is that outcome? And so when you, when you're trying to um, approach a relationship lifestyle and you're not clear about what you really want, then you actually have too many people to choose from. Mm. And that's where it gets daunting. But what I, what I find consistently and not just in relationships, but just how we go about doing life, which I'm sure you could attest to, the more clear we get with what it is that we want, both as an outcome or as a goal, the more clear we understand the qualities that we're looking for in a relationship. And so I find that as people get really clear about what their end goal is, they'll get really clear about what they're actually looking for in a relationship. Yes, 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 absolutely. And you, as you know, you know, I work with a lot of professionals who are right. highly ambitious and they're career driven. And that's the thing. Sometimes, you know, you talk about having it all and it's about having the connection at home, you know, in the family, having, having relationships with your family members, having an income that you desire, work you love. Like that's what, that's what the whole thing about having it all means. That's right. And a lot of professionals that I work with, they're ambitious, they're educated, they're successful. Right. And then, but the, the balance in areas of your life is not quite there. They have right. highly high wealth and success in their careers, in their in their education, right? In their That's intellect. Right. But then at home, you know, things are a bit um, things aren't quite there, and the connection's not there, and there's an addiction to avoidance, right? And so I, I want to ask you if you could shed some light onto that. Um, how what do you do? Like what what do you do if you are if you are moving very what would you say to folks who are moving really quickly in their careers? Mm -hmm. And 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 just like in in anything in life 
when you have some successes, your standards change as well. And so I talk to a lot of folks who are successful, they're single, but they're successful in their career. And they're kind of afraid to get married, afraid to settle, quote unquote, settle down because they might not find the partner who will be able to, quote unquote, keep up with their ambitions. Yeah, that's a really, that's a loaded question. It's actually a great one. (laughs) So where do I unpack that for you? Well, I guess it starts with understanding really what the fear is about. Yeah. And the truth of it is that we're really not fearful of finding somebody who can't keep up. Mm-hmm. What we're really fearful of is whether I actually want to open up and get close to you. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it boils down to. And I find that pattern in both the successful entrepreneurs that I work with that are having relationship problems, as well as just average couples with average nine to five jobs. Mm-hmm. They're having the same problem as well. So it's actually not the successfulness of the work that's impeding people in having the relationship that they want. It's actually themselves. It's their internal fears of actually getting close to somebody because that takes work. It takes vulnerability. It takes tremendous amount of trust and it takes tremendous patience and it takes a willingness to love somebody past all their screw ups, all their character flaws, you know, all of those things that, are never really reflected to us in in movies. <laughs> we see the, uh, you know, we see the fantasy in movies and TV shows, yeah. but we don't see the realness of what goes on in a daily life. And and daily life, loving my partner isn't glamorous. Yes. <laughs> this is this is really about a marathon of small little things that we do for a partner mm-hmm. and vice versa over a lifetime and we're so used to setting really short-term goals like I want to reach this goal in three years and then that's it I reach it boom I'll move on to another goal well relationships are one of those things where we can't do that it's I don't I don't have the opportunity to say okay honey uh, I've gotten married now so I'll talk to you in three years it's it just (laughs) it just doesn't work that way and so the fear that we encounter is really about, am I willing to get close to you? Even when how you behave, how you act, does not match my blueprint of what I think my relationship should look like. Yes, yeah. I call it making the deposits, right? You got to make deposits before you withdraw anything. It's kind of like in a bank account. You can't take out money if you didn't put money in. That's right. Right. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. Well, share with us your story. I mean, I was so riveted by what you were saying. I had to get those questions out. But tell me, because I mean, I don't even know the story, but how did you get into relationship coaching? I mean, how did it, you weren't always, I think I remember you, you and I also went through academia, you know, we went through a college. So share with us your journey of how you started out in your career early stages and how you, you know, reinvented or, or, or changed direction to become where you are now. Yeah, I I went through an amazing journey. And really, at the start of it, I was actually heading into ministry. I wanted to be a pastor. And uh, really, I wanted to serve the youth in the next generation. One of the things that I began to discover is that as I was working with youth, that some of the problems dealt with the parents. And so as a youth worker, I would spend so much time and energy working with young people but they'd go home and they would actually get reinserted back into the same environment and the patterns actually then would reoccur. So really um, 
what became aware, sorry, let me say that again. My awakening was that I actually, if I was going to help young people, I actually needed to help the parents. Yes. So then as I started to help the parents, I realized that their marriages were not in a healthy place. And in some of those cases, I realized that the parents actually didn't know why they even chose each other mm. as partners. And so as I started to work more and more with people, I began to realize that we weren't doing a very good job in preparing people for marriage. So whatever premarital course we were offering at the time as a general church, um, it, it really wasn't meeting the modern day demands. So I began a journey of figuring out if, if, if I had to take the ultimate premarital course to make sure that my marriage would survive for 50 years or more, what would I really need training in? And I began to redevelop a premarital course that would be based on that, the kind of what I would consider the ultimate premarital course. As I started to field test this, it was true. Half the problems came out of the fact that when people got married, they didn't know why they were getting married to this person. And so I began to realize that uh, that problem was that they didn't know who to choose. They didn't understand what qualities am I really looking for. And so I had to create a singles course that was basically based on a profile that would help young people begin to understand the difference between a want versus a need. So what we do is we typically look for a partner based on, I would want this in a wife, or I would want this in a woman, or I would want this in a man, or I would want this in a husband. The wish list. <laughs> the wish list. And that want is much different than the need. Yeah. So the pivot is when I can ask the question, what do I need in my marriage for it to be healthy? Now that changes the dynamic of the game. Because what I want could be, I need a beautiful, attractive woman who's intelligent and has all this money and does this kind of work. But then really what I need could just be as simple as I would love somebody who loves cooking. Like these are very, very different qualities that you're looking for. And the reason is because the need is really based on the end outcome. The want is based on what's attractive to me right now. So that's kind of in a nutshell, that's kind of how I got into it. And the more I started to work on this, the more I found that people were beginning to have massive successes in their life. And so that's kind of how it opened up to me launching into relationship coaching. It's a beautiful story. And it's and it was all about you having your eyes open on how you can serve and seeing what's missing out there and some of the voids of services and voids of education. And you feel like that. It's amazing. And you know, it's interesting. As I was listening to you speak and shed some light on wants versus need, I had this aha moment because no wonder why we're so confused. I mean, even in the examples you gave and you said, we don't, if if we what do you need? The way yeah. we vocalize what we need is I want. Yeah. Right? And the way we vocalize I want is I need. That's right. Listen, no wonder why we're so confused. And even in your examples, you did that, right? <laughs> so that, I mean, no wonder. And it's interesting because I study the lives of the most successful entrepreneurs out there in my career coaching. Yeah. And successful people, they tell you what they need, not what they want. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. Well, and, and that's really the foundation to communication. Yeah. So when I'm working with couples, you know, really... Um, as I shared with Maureen McGrath, you know, when we were on the radio together, you know, marriages don't break up because of the big issues. 
it's it's really never the financial issues. It's really never about the affairs that happen. You know, th- those are kind of like the two big, you know, issues that we kind of think that marriages break up on. And the reality is that that's just, it's not really the truth. It's the reality that the it's the little things that we do over time. That's what really breaks everything up. Yeah, it's like you do the push-up. You know, every day you do the push-up and sooner or later you're going to have, you know, Popeye arms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So what do you see more of? You know, what do you work more of with, with singles who want to get married or couples who are on the brink of divorce? Like, where, what do you see more of? Uh, right now I'm seeing a lot more couples okay. um, at, instead of singles. That'll probably change in the new year. I find that singles really seek out help at certain times of the year. Same with couples. I find that couples actually seek out help around certain times of the year as well. So right now it's a really high cycle where there's a lot more couples that are actually seeking out help. And then probably come around uh, end of January, February is where I'll start to see a lot of peaked interest with the singles. Mm -hmm. In your, so I always see career as your life's work. Yeah, because it's more than just a job that gets paid and 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 you afford a lifestyle, right? It's your life's work is your purpose, right? But it also you're doing it for your family too. Yeah, right. It's it, there's a relationship aspect to it. So I'm I'd like to know, Rocky, when you work with couples, well, mm. with couples right now, when you work with couples, do you also talk about issues related with career or ambition? Absolutely, yeah. because that's all tied in. It comes up. Yeah, right? yeah. So I mean, I how I see myself is as a relationship coach. I'm not really designated like a traditional relationship coach. My idea of a relationship coach is that your whole life is a relationship. Everything that you do, you're in a relationship with it, whether that would be money or family or friends or your career, your passion, your hobbies, your marriage. It's all actually a relationship. And each one of these relationships actually exposes how we do the other types of relationships. So for the most part, when I can help people identify how they communicate within their marriage, they'll see correlating patterns of how they're actually relating to their career. Yeah. Yeah. Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Like in in career, like I have people who are stuck at a certain level or who are are stuck and and unfulfilled and miserable. and, and, And they're saying they're having problems. They present and they tell me, oh, I'm having problems in my career. But my message is that there's no such a thing as career problems. It's always a life problem that's manifesting in your career. That's right. Right. So what kind of conversations are you having? Um, like in, in, in terms of, okay, you're, 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 you're coming and you're pre- the presentation, the symptom is that, you know, my wife and I, or my husband and I are on the brink of divorce. We don't, the, the love has dwindled, you know, we don't, we don't care about each other like we used to be. And what comes out in terms of talks around career? How does that, how do you navigate that, the, uh, the ecosystem? Yeah, it, it is a bit of a complicated uh, yeah. process to talk about, but in a nutshell, quite a lot of my entrepreneurs, um, what I find in them is that they want uh, the marriage, yeah. what we would all define as a traditional marriage. What they're unwilling to do is give time to it, mm-hmm. to foster it, to care for it, to nurture it. Mm-hmm. But yet they're willing to do that with their work. So it's really in that sense, what I'm doing is I'm just awakening inside of my entrepreneurs 
what would it look like for you to get close to somebody? Not try and figure them out, not try and understand them, but what would it actually look like if I invited you to get close to your partner today? What things would you do? And that's really as simple as it needs to get. And once they get their heads wrapped around that, then the idea of cultivating a healthy marriage isn't as daunting. Mm -hmm. And then they begin to realize, oh, it's much like how I do work. Right? In some cases, it's the reverse process where they have a a relatively healthy marriage, Mm -hmm. but for some reason, their business isn't taking off. And because of that, they begin to have a different view of how they're seeing their relationship. And it quite commonly is is phrased by people where I hear, like, I've fallen out of love with my partner. And so there are more feeling anchored responses. And what I try and help them through is understanding that love isn't a feeling. It's actually an action. And so when they can pivot on this, then they can awaken to the reality that what if I didn't just fall out of love with my partner? But what if I just need to cultivate it more so that I could see an increase of passion or an increase of closeness Mm -hmm. and it's predicated upon an action that I just need to take? Mm -hmm. Could that be the same as my work? Mm -hmm. And so I see lots of people wanting to quit their job because they've hit a rough patch, Mm -hmm. much like their marriage. But what if a rough patch is actually a good thing? What if it's a sign that you're heading in the right direction mm-hmm. instead of actually assuming that a rough patch is I'm heading in the wrong direction? Yeah. And so could there be a pivot there? Is there one action that I could take that actually pivot me to get closer to my dream or what my uh, vision of this business or this career could be? And many times that's really the case. It's just one action step. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I always say that even these rough patches, the things that are perceived as failures, it's just a feature of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. signify an end or a wrong decision or the wrong path per se. It's just that's right. Your features. <laughs> yeah. Well, what we do is we get trapped in the idea of trying to identify something mm-hmm. and then we label it. And so what, what most marriages end up struggling with is if they don't pivot, from love being an emotion to love being an action to what I bring to the table. What ends up happening is that we, we identify our marriage as it's hurting, it's struggling and it's not what I want. And then we label it as I'm unhappy or my partner's not the right person for me. I should have not married this person. And that's kind of how we try and run from doing the deeper work. And much like business, Many times the breakthrough in our business is when we're actually going through the inner turmoil and we're wrestling with the idea of what am I running from? And what would it take if I just hammered through for another 30 days with a set strategy or a set action plan? Mm -hmm. Same thing with my marriage. What if I executed a set action or strategy for the next 30 days? What could the difference be? Yeah, that's right. That's right. What do you, what is your take? Like, what is your take on this of, of common law, you know, mm. who wanting to, you know, they, they, they've met someone who, whom they love and they've, they've grown to, you know, have experiences with, and then they decide yeah. to move in together. 
right? And then months turns into years, years turns into a decade. Like, what is your what is your take on that? I well, I I think it's it's a really great option for people if they want meaningful relationship, but they don't want marriage. But I think what they need to get clear at is if they approach a common law relationship, it's really not the same as a marriage. There's internally this almost kind of like a get out of jail free card when we approach common law relationships. It's like, I'm committed to you as long as it feels great. And the minute it doesn't, and we reach this level of like, you know, I I don't like this anymore. I'm out of here. And that's where when you enter into marriage place, it's man, there's something magical about making a commitment to someone with the holy vow that I'm never going to leave you. No matter how bad your breath smells in the morning, I'm just not going to leave you, right? Or no matter how badly you screw it up next week, I'm not going to leave you. There's something magically healing about that. And it's transforming. And so what I find is that in common law marriage, we are living almost like a 50% single person. So there's half of us that kind of has one foot straddling the single life. I want to do it my way. Don't tell me how to do it. The other foot's kind of like, I want to do it with you together. But it, 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 you know, you kind of juggle that balance. In marriage, you just don't have the option to be single. It's we're all in on this. What I find is that when people go through a marriage process and they're willing to work on their stuff internally, they actually become the woman and the man that they've always dreamed of becoming. Yeah. And it's with, they can't do that without your partner. Yeah. That's, that's just, that's what's magical about marriage. I will never be the man that I want to be or the husband that I want to be without my wife. Mm-hmm. That's why I love her. Mm-hmm. She's there to help me transform into that person. Because mm-hmm. as a single person, I had a wonderful life. It was amazing. But I would have never seen my failures, my shortcomings as a man without my partner reflecting that back to me. And that's the beauty of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. But it takes a certain level of awareness to even see that and appreciate it and be grateful for it. Right. And, and, and marriage is, is like business is like career and your vocation in one very important way in that it's going to be the best self-development and the best personal development program you'll ever be a part of. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's nothing like it. Yeah, that's right. So they, they have those in common, the parallels between marriage and, and business and, and your yeah, career, right? Exactly. But that's the thing. It takes a certain level of self-awareness to appreciate that and to acknowledge it and be grateful for it because it's in those moments where it's trying times, it's testing you, it is yeah. challenging you. You kind of just want and desire and just gravitate to things that are easier. Yeah, well, you know, much like business, You know, marriage has its own set of Mm self-disciplines that we have to cultivate. You know, in in business, we have to cultivate self-discipline in in areas of marketing and sales. (laughs) You know, it's like we're so caught up sometimes in the notion that I could just set up a Facebook ad and generate interest and make some sales. To some degree, that's true. But what if you spent all your time and money on that and never actually got the return that you wanted? What if the more simpler self-discipline is just to call somebody up and have coffee with them? What if the more simple uh, discipline is just to actually go out and go door to door, 
what if that actually gives you a higher ratio of, of you know, return? Um, also in business, I find, I mean, and you know, just as much as I do, like when you talk with the high-end millionaires and the billionaires, they all have a self-disciplined morning routine. I don't know anybody who's making a million dollars or more with no morning routine. Like every one of these men that I, men and women that I talk to, they all have a set morning. They get up at four or five o'clock in the morning. They do yoga, meditation, deep breathing. They have a healthy breakfast. There's a whole regiment that they function off of and they won't change from that. Like even if they have a day off, marriage is like that. And what we end up not doing is we end up not cultivating the small, simple self-disciplines to actually groom and have a healthy relationship. We fall too much on the past. Like we connected on this, that should be enough. When really, if I just chose to say something kind to my wife once a day for the next seven days, that actually might bring more closest connection to us yeah. than me thinking that going on a date to a movie would. Yeah. It's just the little disciplines that we need to crank down on. Right. It's like if you carry the mindset of dating into marriage, it's kind of like when you were dating, oh, we saw each other just a couple of times a week and that was good enough when we were dating. And now you're married and you're living together. But if you yeah. still carry that mindset, then it's not making, you know, it's not like, okay, we're well, at the next level now and you have to start doing things together. Yeah. I mean, so sh- share with us, Rocky. I mean, we talked about marriage, you know, when we met and uh, yeah. met my husband as well. And I didn't have a chance to meet your wife yet, but wh- share with us, what are some morning routines that the two of you do together? Yeah, well, I mean, our 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 world is very different because um, my, my wife, bless her heart, I don't know how she does this, but yeah. she gets up at five in the morning. And because she, her morning routine is really uh, between getting herself ready and prepping my kids' lunches for school. Nice. So she's just amazing at that. So her, she doesn't really have as much of a morning routine as I would. Um, my morning routine is I, I have to um, get into the shower. That's the first thing that I have to do. So I've kind of set it in my mind that no matter how I feel, all I have to do is ex- execute one little thing and that's to get into the shower. And usually in the shower, what I'll do is I've decided that I will make five decisions of what I'm going to do with the rest of my day before I leave the shower. Mm-hmm. So that's the first part of my morning routine. And then by the time I get to the office, then the second half of my morning routine comes in. And that's where I am spending a dedicated 15 minutes where I'm doing um, a moving and breathing exercise. I'm declaring about a couple of minutes of gratitude I'm doing an envisioning exercise and then I'm reaffirming all of that with a declaration exercise. And that's pretty much what I do for my morning routine. Nice. That's awesome. When do you like to exercise? Oh, that's really hard because my day is so crowned with people. So my exercise is always in between my sessions. So I don't really have a set day for my exercise. Um, What I have is just like 15 to 30 minutes that I could pound out a couple of quick wind sprints, a couple of jumping jacks, a couple of squats. Uh, deep breathing is still my main thing. Then when I'm actually on my weekend, my main exercise is really just going for a walk in the nature. Okay, that's cool. And yeah. we're in the perfect city for that, right? I know. Yeah, we're absolutely perfect city for that. <laughs> yeah, and it's a sunny day outside, which is very strange for November. It, it is, although I hear the cold fronts coming in. So I, I hear we're, we're due for some snow finally. 
Oh, wow. Well, that's better than weeks of rain, right? <laughs> I think yeah. it's better than weeks of rain anyway. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm going to ask you a little bit of a deeper question. Yeah, please. You know, I, I, like, I'd love to hear your, your insights on, I mean, because I, I had this conversation with my clients all the time. Mm. We talk about career. We talk about the future. We talk about meaningfulness, purpose, vocation, mission. We talk about these things all the time. So then it's about life, the purpose of life, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I have these conversations. So I'd like to hear from you your insights on what do you feel if, if, I, if someone were to ask you, what's the purpose of marriage? <laughs> yeah, it's really simple. So I, I'm a pretty simplistic kind of a guy. And so I, my, how I do my practice both for business and for relationship is very practical. So when I have somebody come to me with a struggle about finding their purpose in life for a career. My question is always, what do you want to do right now in terms of like, what are you really passionate about? And just go and do that instead of trying to figure out this philosophical answer to my purpose in life. Marriage is no different. It's really that simple. It's just me figuring out what would I really love to do with my wife right now? Okay. And then just go do that. It's really that simple. And I think what we do is we end up, we kind of complicate things. We overthink things quite a lot when the answers are always in front of us. So great question that I give all my clients and one that I actually review pretty much almost every month is this simple question here. If I were guaranteed that, it was, that I was going to die next year, what would I do differently with my life right now? Yes. I call that the mortality motivation. Yeah, well, exactly, right? I, I call it the, just the context of life. Yes. And I just think that we lose context. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, Grace, but, you know, I've had so many dear friends pass away. I've had two last year. And quite suddenly, it really, when you start to go to these funerals, you begin to realize how, how short our life is mm -hmm. and how we have no control over that. So when people can just simply answer that question, they'll really know what they actually have to do with their marriage. It's really that simple. Because when we're on our deathbed, we're really not going to be regretting anything other than I should have told my spouse how much I loved them. And I didn't. I should have spent more time with my kids. And I didn't. I should have just gone on vacation. And I didn't. It, they're really simple things that are always just right in front of us. So that contextual question is really the best way to actually find your purpose in your marriage and why you should be in your marriage. Yes. Yeah. Occam's razor, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the simplest solution. And, you know, I, and I've, I see this, you know, I've been in academia for so long. I think one of the biggest reasons why we overcomplicate things, everything, right? Even the purpose of life and the purpose yeah. of, of fulfillment, you know, and the purpose of marriage is because we're trained and we're programmed to look for the most complicated answers to problems that we think are big problems or, or questions that we think are big questions. We think that the, the most complex answer must be the right one. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know what it is. It's, I just find it so funny that we're so attracted to bigger scale problems that are not solvable when really in front of us is a really small problem that could be solved by one action or a request that could be made. 
Ah, okay. That's right. A request. Oh, I love the way you say Okay. Requests. Okay. Yeah. Is it okay to request something from your spouse? Yeah. If you know that the request is not something that they are inspired to do or that they particularly enjoy doing, you know what I mean? So mm. let's, let's unpack this a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would, the answer is yes. <laughs> it's perfectly okay. I think the, the secret to making a request is to make it really practical. So oftentimes what we do is as spouses, we'll say, um, well, honey, I don't feel close to you anymore. Um, we need to go on vacation. It's just, a, that's, it's a project when you start throwing that out because you know, the plan to go on vacation, even if it's just a road trip, you know, a four hour drive somewhere, he still takes planning. You got to figure out when you're going to get off on work or how will you book off holidays or is this the best time or where do you want to go? What do you want to Right. So what I find is that we we're not great anymore at making really simple, practical requests. I think to stack on top of that, the one key importance to making a request that lands is to link it back to the other person's values. Like, let's say that your spouse really doesn't like to travel and really doesn't like to get in an airplane, but you want to request, let's go overseas to, to Paris, right? You want to request that. You would link it to his or her values. If they valued being at home, you know, reading, then you can say, let's go to Paris. And in Paris, there's so many coffee shops. We can just have an afternoon where we can sit there and read a book together, right? Linking it to their values. And there's so many parallels between requests and asking for promotions or asking for the raise or asking, you just got to ask. Mm-hmm. Right. But when you ask, you have to add value. Yeah. So, so sometimes um, requests are so powerful when we link it to yeah. value. Yeah. What I'm learning though, is that if we can just make a practical request, we're wired DNA wise on the inside to want to serve people. There's nothing that we all want to do. I don't know of any guy that does not want to be the knight in shining armor. It's just wired in us. We really want to do that. Yeah. I just think that many times men, we, we get, we get like, we get sold. How do I put this? I I just think that sometimes men are set up for failure Mm. because the request that's brought towards men, they're not practical. Like it's not simple enough that we could help you fulfill that or experience that within about 30 minutes to an hour. And so what happens is when a wife goes to a husband and says, well, I, I, I would like this. And if it's really nothing that a person can do within an hour to 30 minutes, mm-hmm. then what happens is that wife doesn't get to experience that request. Yes. And then she goes away feeling like I'm just not loved. Like he just doesn't care about That's me. Right. Yeah. When really in his mind, he's going through the logistics of like, okay, wait, like, okay, she wants to go to Paris Oh boy. Like <laughs> when are we, is she expecting to do this now? Like do, you know, do we just drop everything and go like, it's just the logistics. So his intention isn't, I don't want that. It's just his intentions is I just can't get my head wrapped around that. So, so the framing of it could be honey, I would love to feel a little more closer to you this week. Could we go on a date and just go for a movie and go for dinner together and just get a babysitter for our kids. Mm-hmm. I would really love that. Mm-hmm. Then 
the guy can be like, well, yeah, that's perfect. I, I can do that. I can execute on that. Then during the date, then the wife can actually unfold the dream. Now there's an environment prep for them. Now they're in a date, right? They're not with the kids. They're not going to talk about kids. Now she can actually make a larger request and say, you know, honey, one of my biggest dreams would be I would love for us to experience Paris. Is there any way that we could put that on a short-term bucket list that we could try and achieve by the end of 2020? Now that becomes a dialogue. And that's, that's the dance of life that I'm talking about. Yeah. We just think that if we make a pitch and I don't get it, it equals my partner doesn't want to do it for me. Mm-hmm. That's how we interpret it. Yes. But we would have never done that like in a high school dance. We would have never just said, hey, yo, woman, come over here, dance with me. And then if we get rejected, we're like, okay, she hates me. Like, that's just not how it works. We would have actually teased it. We would have flirted. We would have been like, you know, could I just, is it possible for me to just even consider having this dance or even coming up with a crazy question? Like, would it be ridiculous of me to even think that you may want to dance with me? (laughs) Or would it be ridiculous of me to even ask you for a dance right now? These are invitational questions that we forget to do in our marriage. And that's why a lot of our requests are not being met. They're not being met because our partner doesn't want to do them. They're not being met because they're not practical enough where we get to experience whatever that is that we were needing in that moment. Yeah. And sometimes you remember to do these things when you're dating, but then when you're married, all of a sudden, why, why does it change? Right. And it just changes. And the thing is, I mean, to inspire and to motivate couples to ask more of these questions and be unafraid and be empowered to ask, actually, you kind of have a, it's a kind of like serving the other person if you do ask, because then you yeah. give them an opportunity to fulfill their purpose. That's right. Now, now look at the point that you just made, because this is a really great point, Grace, that you just made. Yeah. You know, when we first started dating, like, let's just imagine, like, I'm just starting to date my wife, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in our dating process, I would never throw off there this massive request of like next week let's go to Paris this is this is not how it works because usually when we're in a dating process I would throw out a dream I'd be like you know it would be a dream to go to Paris does that make sense that's kind of how we would actually have done it and then you would banter on it my wife would go oh yes I would love that also and then we start talking about it and dreaming about it Well, when we're in marriage, we actually think that we now have the entitlement and the right to throw out a request to go to Paris. Mm. And it comes across like, I want it now. Mm. When really the person who's making the request isn't actually wanting to make it that way. It is a yearning in that person's heart to go to Paris. But it just sounds like more of an entitlement when it comes out that way in marriage. So all it is is just us needing to go back to how we used to pitch things and talk about things when we were dating and bring this into an invitational dance process Mm -hmm. instead of thinking like, Hey, I just made the request. We got to go to Paris like right now. Yeah. Right. And that's the lesson for both the partners. The receiver has to understand that the intent of the partner is making a request out of a yearning. Yeah. Not right now. The giver of that request 
needs to be able to frame it in a way where it doesn't sound like I need this now, Yes. but that it's a, I'm sharing a dream and I would love to experience it in the next year. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly, that's beautiful the way you said it. And it's the difference between intent versus effect. Because yeah. sometimes you, your intention is pure and you have the, it's yeah. just about yearning is that you have the other person's best interest in mind because they, you know that they would love to go to Paris and you would have a great time, but the intent you have it, but the effect is not what the intent appears to be. So the effect is yeah. not, not what you wanted. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I'm glad you brought up the effect, you know, you know one of the things that I've been posting on Instagram this week, yeah. it's just about um, the simple things that we do that affect us. And, and one of them actually came as a quote from a, a wonderful author and speaker, Bob Goff. And, and his thing was, don't let being right cause you to not be kind. Wow. Yes, that is so true. And so there's something about just even the simplicity of how we speak sweetness into people that brings the ability for somebody to want to fulfill those requests for us. That's right. That's right. So just even speaking kindness is the sexiest thing that any spouse could ever do. Because when that's spoken first, instead of a critical, you know, observation that's mentioned, yes. it's so much more received. Yes. That is so true. That is so true. I want to go back to something that you said. Mm. And this could be like um the way we, we can wrap up the conversation. You, you mentioned earlier about, um, what was it? You said that um, you never, you don't know a man who wouldn't want to be the knight in shining armor. Yeah. That comment. Yeah. And so I guess my question, okay. So the question is, what are your insights? Like, what do you see in terms of the future of marriage, the future of relationship, given the context that now there's a lot more complexities in terms of gender roles, you know, yeah. um, you know, uh, 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 feminism, you know, uh, um, gender inequalities, social injustices, all those things are coming to service. What do you see in the future of marriage? Like, what are you excited about? What are you not so excited about? Like, what do you see happening? Well, I, I, I think that, I think moving forward, I, I could see quite, um, I believe that the validity of marriage is going to be brought back around. Okay. Because one of the things that we're starting to see is a degradation of people's respect for each other. And it's coming out of a whole slew of assumptions that we're making up mm -hmm. about people's culture or people's gender um, or even people's motives and intentions to certain things. Mm -hmm. One of the great things about marriage is that it's there to help cultivate us to be civilized, right? It, it, it's, it's kind of like the wonderful thing about marriage is that I'm actually being taught by my wife how I should treat a woman, right? And, and that's magical. And so when we start to have less and less marriage, there's actually less and less formation of men learning how to actually behave and act like real men. Because where are we going to really learn that from? Other than our moms and dads, mm -hmm. we're actually going to learn it from our spouse. Okay. And, and that's why I think marriage is so important. And so what we end up doing is we have the government trying to legislate things and their heart and intent is, is pure. I think, excuse me, I, I think that 
they are trying to solve some things. I just think that they're going about it the wrong way because what we're trying to do is legislate for changes to things to try and be more inclusive of things yeah. instead of trying to insert more virtue in a system. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we talk about like um, the next generation of kids, mm-hmm. what better way than to educate young men right now how to be a better father and a better man by being a better husband. Yeah. It's inserting more virtue, not less virtue mm-hmm. that I think will begin to change. And so what we're seeing now is that I think pretty soon we're already at a mass epidemic in terms of school system in how young kids are actually, you know, um, participating in sex. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to get any lower, right? It's not like we're going to see that percentage drop magically. That's just not the way it works. Mm -hmm. But what we're failing to do is we're failing to insert virtue with the younger generation and helping them understand that the things that will benefit them is surrounded by virtue, not the lack of it. That's right, yeah. And so I think marriage is going to be a really dominant um, driving force in the coming years mm-hmm. because I'm starting to see young people getting tired mm-hmm. of how they're being treated on a day-to-day basis in a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not what they want anymore. Mm-hmm. They're, they're tired of going out for the short-term dates and being treated as less than something. Right. They, we all want more, yeah. right? It's just that there's not enough people really helping us champion that cause that you can have more mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. And this is the reason why. Yes. So that's kind of my stance on marriage. And that's what I think I'm more excited about is that there is a younger generation that's starting to awaken to this. They're starting to awaken to the fact that what we've been doing, it's not working. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something, a better way to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And many of them are starting to ask me, how do I become a better man? Wow. How do I become a husband? What does that even mean? Right? How 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 do I uh, become a, a a good father? You know, when I never had the role model of one. Yes, that's amazing. Thank you so much for your insights, Rocky. It is such a pleasure to have you here. And I mean, for listeners, my listeners' views. If you're listening to this and you're wondering why are you talking about marriage in a career podcast, you know, <laughs> or a show, they are so intertwined. You know, they are right. They're so intertwined. So thank you so much for your insight. No, thank you for having me on your show, Grace. Well, take care. And I'm sure there may be a sequel in the future about this. (laughs) I would love that. I absolutely would love that. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on my show. And we'll talk soon. You bet. Thanks, Grace. Okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye.